HSA, this is Nikki. Um, I just wanted to deeply and sincerely apologise for not boosting your fragile little ego while addressing both of you on Facebook. I am so, so, so sorry. But who can actually blame me? Because I never listened to a doubt it with Dolomar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Welcome to the show, episode 104 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host on this March 8, 2015, Jesse Dalamore. Seated across from me is my lovely and talented and uh, what else? What, what else? Real cool. <laughs> the, the woman who loves to mock me, Brittany Page. That would be me. You do. You get a charge, as it were, out of mocking me. Don't, yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I was just doing that before the show started, and it was pretty funny. Well, sometimes before the show, we pour ourselves an adult beverage for the adult show that we're going to put on. Not that kind of adult show, but it's still a show for adults. Mm-hmm. And I have a glass o bourbon, mm-hmm. and you have your makeshift mimosa. Yeah. With a mango something or other juice rather than orange. Yes. And Brittany doesn't like me to drink whiskey when I do the show because she doesn't like... She thinks I put on a character. I just don't like your attitude. Yeah, well, the nuances of whiskey drinking Jesse apparently are noticeable for the lovely Brittany Page. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're noticeable for the audience. Not pleasing to me. <laughs> so Brittany did this little, this little, this little uh, imitation of me, where mm-hmm. she grabbed my glass of whiskey and laughed maniacally, much like um, Jim Carrey from from the the Fire Marshal Bill character. Yes, I take offense to that. To Jim Carrey or me laughing? To you saying that I was doing something like Jim Carrey was <laughs> or does. Right. Well, nonetheless, Brittany loves to mock your your faithful, your ever faithful host, Jesse Dollimore. So, let uh, there's something I want to talk about. How about that? Well, I hope so, since we have an hour to fill. I hope <laughs> there is something that you want to talk about. Well, Brittany and I were invited to a choral performance, the performance of a choir. I think it's choral. Interesting. I did not know that. I think so. I mean, I might be wrong. It's yeah, doubtful. It's, it's very possible yeah. that you are, though. No, it's not. Okay. It's probably pretty factual that I'm correct. <laughs> so, I don't know. I got nothing. So, uh, we went to a church mm-hmm. in Hunt- Huntington Beach, California, where... The choir sung, among other songs, this one. And that is the part of the song that I want to talk about specifically. 
the wretch part. It's a very weird, having been out of religion for as long as I have, I, I don't have occasion to go and flip through their pamphlets in within the pews, and I don't get to listen to the hymns, although I still love gospel music. And it's odd being out of it for so very long and then going back in and hearing those words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah, I think I commented on it after we left because uh, saved a wretch like me. Well, just you, you, you have no worth. You're, you're just a, a wretched, filthy animal who deserves nothing. It's a little presumptuous. Well, and then my favorite verse of the song, though, I think <laughs> has to be the last verse. And this is something that even bothered me within Christianity. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Can you think of a more boring fucking time in your entire life, or death as it were, than that? Than worshiping a deity for eternity. When we've been there 10,000 years, hey, we've just begun worshiping God 24-7, 365 days a year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I was changing the lyrics to that one, oh, wasn't I? You? Oh, you mean afterward when we were driving to the movie? Yeah, I was, I was making the lyrics a little improved. I just was talking about lobster rolls oh, right. somewhere you, in there. You turned them into food. Yes. Because you would rather be eating lobster rolls in heaven. Yes. Than worshiping a God who's so insecure that he needs worship. Eternal yes. worship. We've no less days to eat lobster rolls, I think, <laughs> would be better. And then I was flipping through. This is First Lutheran Church in Huntington Beach, California. I was flipping through their little their documentation of their church that is trying to get you to go to their church. They're selling themselves in this little promotional document. It's also kind of showing what their beliefs are. That's exactly the part of it that I was going to talk about. It, at the corner, the, the, we'll put this on the, on the Facebook page. But on the top left corner, it says beliefs. And this is the very first one. Grace alone. God loves the people of the world. Even though, even though, <laughs> it starts off great. Even though they are sinful, rebel against him, and do not deserve his love. That's that's sickening. It's kind of it's if, kind of weird. If you think about a creator creation relationship or a parent child relationship, it's listen son, I love you even though you do bad stuff and you don't listen to me. You don't deserve my love. Even though those things take place, I still love you. That's, it's, it's not so much that we sin and that we rebel against him. Yeah, you know, I can deal with that. But we don't deserve his love. This God, this God uh, that created us, that made the choice to create us and knew in the beginning, that we would be broken. We would be fallible. 
and still you don't deserve my love. You've got to jump through all these hoops for me to love you. It's almost like an abusive relationship. Uh, yeah, I'm so I was leading to that. I'm glad you said it. that's exactly what it is. It's like it's like a battered woman. Yeah, it's like you're not good enough, but I'm going to keep you here. I'm going to keep you in the stranglehold, right? Even yeah. though you don't deserve to be with me and you're not good enough for me. No one else is going to love you. But I'll keep you here with me anyway. Yeah. And it's just kind of... Ugh. Which clearly points to the fact that it's not real. That none of that makes sense. No, no omniscient God, creator of the universe, would, would, would first of all, be that insecure. If you're so powerful, you can create galaxies and universes you don't need a bunch of flawed creation worshiping you for eternity you, your ego is probably not quite that degenerated Ugh. so that was a fun night we got out of there as quickly as we could it's even the flag remember the flag that was up in the up in the corner of the church obedient unto death is this giant flag and this is a Lutheran church. This isn't some nutter butter, you know, crazy right wing tongue talking, dancing around, playing with snakes kind of church. This is a run of the mill, milk toast denomination. Well, and I also like how in, in the belief section, it talked about scripture alone and said that the Bible is God's infallible word. And it says it is the sole rule and norm for Christian doctrine. And it just is. I don't know. You're not going to walk into like a classroom, for example, and be like, this is the sole rule yeah. of what you're going to believe. It's like, well, let's exchange some ideas. Let's talk about stuff. Let's talk about some evidence for and against some things. Like, Let, let's it should be challenge an, this. It should if be, you can disprove it, disprove it. It's just alarming to come into a situation and have someone say, this is the infallible word. This is the rule. This is it. The end. And it's like, well... You know, how about we talk about it? Maybe, <laughs> right. like, maybe weigh some pros and cons, like some evidence for, some evidence against. Like, let's yeah. talk about it. Let's yeah. have a discussion. For sure. I just don't like the the ending of the discussion. Right. Right. Uh, well, needless to say, I probably won't be back. We should start going to churches and make little. If it wasn't such a waste of our time, I wouldn't mind going and checking it out and just seeing it from. A fresh perspective, you know? I think yeah. That, that would be interesting. I went to one shortly after moving here, and that was that was an experience as well. They played a Steve Miller band song, which was interesting. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they try to be hip and cool. Yeah, and they contemporary. they the worst music in the world. No, don't <laughs> talk bad about Steve Miller band, please. Right. All right. Well, listen, m moving on. <laughs> that is what it is. Hey, listen, if you didn't... If you didn't, if you just skipped the first part of the show, you're missing out because you missed out on Nikki. And I don't know. I, it might be I doubt it with Dollamore with lovely co host Nikki. Right. Cause I should be fired and Nikki should be hired because her voice is fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's not just the voice. Sometimes I wish I had a different accent than I do. I wish I spoke English with that kind of brogue or whatever is going on with her. Just tasty, tasty accent. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> seriously, we listened to that probably 20 times oh, and we so just, good. we loved it. It was so awesome. 
So thanks for thanks for that, Nikki. And if there are any other European or international listeners to the show, and you'd like to submit your drop telling us how little to never that you listen to the show, you can do it by recording it onto your smartphone, just like Nikki did, and emailing it to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So moving on, we have been meaning to talk about this, and we've just had such busy shows on the rundown that we never got to it. We updated the logo to the show. It is no longer only my ugly mug. Now it features the beautiful Brittany Page in cartoon form. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I finally got promoted (laughs) just in time to get fired (laughs) and for Nikki to replace me. Yeah, well... I do what I can. It, it, the timing is is perfect. So what we plan to do with this, we're gonna we're we're gonna have a bunch of st- stickers printed up, and w- w- one of the the rewards or whatever for being a Patreon supporter is to get w- these stickers, and we're gonna do that straight away. But it, I guess it it gives me kind of a, a cheap opportunity to talk about Patreon real quick. If you're not aware of Patreon, or if you're interested at all in supporting the show other than listening twice a week, you can do so through Patreon.com. I think the address is Patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. And Patreon is kind of like Kickstarter. Uh, it's, it's it's just an ongoing Kickstarter campaign where you, you can donate money per episode and also um, create a monthly cap for yourself. So if I go on some kind of a podcasting jag and release 25 episodes in a month, which would never happen, yeah, FYI. for sure it would not happen. Um, you would not get overcharged because you set a monthly maximum. Yes. And you can also give any amount that you choose per episode. So five cents, 10 cents, 25 cents, $30, $50, any amount. Yes. I mean, as little or as much as you like. Right. There's, there's no, there's no limits or minimums or maximums. So anyway, that's all we're going to say. But there is a certain amount that I've put on there that if you give, and I think it's negotiable at the very beginning, it's not something we really gave a lot of thought to. But we're going to print these stickers up, and they're going to be cool. Slap them on your laptop or slap them on a stop sign outside in your neighborhood. Just wear them on your forehead. Yes. That's what we plan to do. Mm-hmm. So check that out. And as always, thanks for supporting the show. We love you guys very, very much. So let's move on to a little bit of follow-up. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Many of you will remember... <laughs> Goddamn. Many of you will remember from last episode when we, when we played the highly intelligent neurosurgeon, Ben Carson, saying this. A lot of people who go into prison go into prison straight, and when they come out, they're gay. That was why... That was his evidence, his proof that being gay is a choice, Brittany. The next president, Dr. Ben Carson. That's right. So, uh, Dr. Carson, can you explain to me why you believe that it's you have proof that being gay is a choice? A lot of people who go into prison go into prison straight, and when they come out, they're gay. Oh, Solid. That explains it. Yeah, solid. Science, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to the world of science with Dr. Ben Carson. Ben, 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 Ben. It's a play on the Bill Nye. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It terrible. It was a really good play uh, on it, too. I quit. <laughs> I quit. So, uh, listen, 
if you put yourself in a position to be made fun of by Vice President Joe Biden, you've really stepped in it because that guy is the brunt of the jokes. He shouldn't be making jokes about you. Put it to you in this context. Eight, ten years ago, even two years ago, homophobic statements would have been, if not embraced, not viewed as having generated any political liability. Look what's happening even in, quote, the other party today. Seriously. Don't misread the political trends in history here. Now, every ridiculous assertion from Dr. Carson on, I mean, Jesus, God. I mean, <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's kind of hard to fathom, isn't it? But think about the universal ridicule. That wouldn't have happened two years ago, five years ago. It matters. It matters. It shocks the conscience that at this moment in America, history, 29 states in America, are people are denied basic dignity because of who they are or who they love. But this is not the trend. Listen, sometimes, what do they say? A, a broken clock is right, right uh, twice a day. The, do, uh, the sun shines on a dog's ass once in a while. Well, even Joe Biden can say some things that are meaningful and intellectually accurate. Well, yeah, and he's he's right about a lot of this. And this is why I think, and here's a prediction, everybody, Ooh. that unless a Republican presidential candidate comes out in favor of gay marriage during the election cycle here, um, there's going to be another Democratic president. It's just, it's going to happen because I, this I, is the issue. This I, is the issue. I have not thought about that in any context of really analyzing that statement, but I tend to agree with it. But let me think about it. I think you might be right. I think you very well might be right, which is a dangerous thing because, you know, um, 12 to 16 years of Democratic rule would not be a great thing. In just like 12 to 16 years of Republican rule is not a good thing. We need balance. That's what's so great about having the three co-equal branches of government, especially having a legislative and an executive branch, that when Congress is Democrats and the Republican is in the, is in the, the seat in the White House, that's a good thing because gridlock is not always a terrible thing. It It, it creates an environment where they get little done, and the little, the the least that they get done, the more harm that we are reserved from. You, you get what I'm saying, right? And I and I think you you make a good point. I just think that what I said is true because <laughs> no, I, I, I it might it very well could be true because we've talked about the the conservative millennials and how the majority are in in favor the of over 60 percent right so it's just going to be a problem if the republican candidates are moving in this hateful direction with this and coming yeah. out and being vocal about it it's going to turn the majority of people off and it, and you know one could argue it shouldn't because there's other important issues that we should look at but it's health issues and issue. um, economic issues right but it's going to be 
very, very crucial. I look at it like this, and I've looked at it like this for a long, long time. I mean, I think I've been, I don't want to, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but for a long time, I've been a very outspoken proponent for for the gay marriage issue. I've been, I've, I've ended relationships in my life, and relationships have been ended on the part of the other party, personal, long-standing relationships in my life with family over this issue. Mm-hmm. So... It's important to me because if you, if as a politician, if you do not believe a person de- deserves basic civil human rights because of the fact that they're gay and they were born gay, then how can I trust your opinion on other matters of policy that are very important? I can't. Right. But you still vote conservative. I do. For, for the most part, I do. But, th- you know, it's one of the lucky things about living in California is just about everybody is normal related to issues like this. <laughs> they, they are they're normal. Not, listen, California Republicans are different than Idaho Republicans. Right. This is almost a litmus test vote for me. If you if you do not support gay marriage and you do not support basic civil human rights on this issue, you do not fucking get my vote. You don't. And it's important enough not to vote for someone even if they're right on other things. So uh, Dan Savage was on CNN, and he had some awesome points also that I wanted to share. Well, I want to ask you about uh, a couple of things. The first is the newsworthiness of what Carson said, because he seemed to be saying that CNN emphasized his comments about gays and that that was unfair. Tell me why his comments were newsworthy to you. Well, you know, first of all, the president gave his amazing speech in Selma yesterday, and he talked about gay rights and linked it to the civil rights struggle, that African-American civil rights activists opened a door, that women walked through, immigrants walked through, and that gay rights activists also walked through. So you can't duck this issue. We are, the LGBT civil rights movement is the civil rights movement of our time, as Joe Biden has said. What was really most significant about his remarks, though, for me, is how hateful they are, how destructive they are, and how easily disproved they are. Whenever someone says that being gay or lesbian is a choice, I always look at them and say, okay, prove it, choose it. If it's something that you can choose, if you can reach into your head and flip a switch and be gay or lesbian or bisexual, then flip that switch and show us how it's done. It's a great point. It's not a Mm. choice. And they know it's not a choice, and that's really not the argument they're making. What religious conservatives and Republicans are saying when they say that being gay or lesbian is a choice is that that gay or lesbian queer people shouldn't be covered by civil rights laws, we shouldn't be protected under the 14th Amendment, that the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to us because being gay is not an immutable characteristic. It's a choice that we've made. But other things that are choices are covered by the Bill of Rights, the 14th Amendment, civil rights statutes, including faith. There are constantly people trying to ask you to choose their faith, to change your faith, to take a different faith. And religion is a covered, protected status under settled civil rights law, and it is a choice. Marital status, military service, also protected. So if they're arguing, if religious conservatives are arguing that if something is a choice, like being gay, which they would like to argue is a choice and is not, Mm. therefore it doesn't deserve civil rights protections, then they need to be consistent and argue and advocate for stripping away civil rights protections for people of faith. Here's There's a couple things I want to talk about. The first is, I kind of... First of all, I like Dan Savage. I think he's right about everything here. However... I kind of don't jive with his lumping in the Republicans all in this in this framework because although 
it has been this way for many, many years, for too long. Just like Biden said that, and it was a great point that Biden said, that look at how much progress we've made that even now, when a Republican says something stupid about gays, like Ben Carson did, that it's dangerous for them politically, that they shy away from that because they know how far and how much progress has been made. So it's hard to lump all the Republicans in that because if that were the case, Ben Carson wouldn't have gotten so much flack and he wouldn't have come out and apologized and tripped all over himself like an asshole for saying those stupid things, those hateful things. So I just, I would dial back the whole lumping all Republicans into that because we are changing and we are changing rapidly um, as a nation and as individual political parties, our country is changing. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't really expect Dan Savage to 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 do what you're asking, I guess, because he is the liberal of the liberals. Yeah, right. And, yeah, and he's the one who, you know, created that second meaning of Santorum's name. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it's definitely a war between liberals and conservatives on this issue. And so it tends to get a little heated. Well, thankfully, the war is winding down. Right. And, you know, the, the liberals are winning in this case. So it's great. Right. The other thing was the faith issue about faith being a choice. I think that's that's so poignant that it if you're going to say that being gay is a choice, then these other things that are a choice should also have their civil rights protections stripped away, like faith, like military service. Right. Well, because the, all these people that are arguing against gays being a protected class is because it's not a choice. For some reason, that's like the right, right. the issue that they have with it. It's either, well, it's not a choice, so they can't be included. Well, I don't I don't understand why that would matter at all. Well, he's obviously looking at it from a sideways perspective. He clearly thinks religion should have civil rights protections. Right. He's just making a point. He's making a point. And the point is, should be well taken by conservatives. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's the same thing with with the, the case in in Idaho, where the, the all the senators have, have they or the, the three. They walked out during the prayer from the Hindu. You, you can't have it just your little group is protected and all the other groups that you're not a part of that they're protected. So, right. Before we move on to that, I want to, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about something really quick. Um, Pew research released some data on Americans being divided on why people are gay. They took this opportunity after Ben Carson said these things to uh, release some polling data that they did in 2013 to see where Americans stood on this issue. And they broke it down from by education level, which I thought was interesting. So the question was, which comes closer to your view about why people are gay or lesbian? And the options were people are born gay or lesbian, result of person's upbringing, just the way some choose to live and don't know. So 41% total believe that people are born gay. 42% total say it's just the way some choose to live. So it's very neck and neck there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then starting with postgraduate degree, 58% say people are born gay. Then going down to college degree, 50% say people are born gay. Going down to some college, 38% say people are born gay. Wow. Going down to high school or less, 35% of people 
believe that gays are born that way. So as you can see, the less education that you have, the less likely you are to indicate that you believe people were born gay. And some would say that the less education you have, the less smart you are. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use those words, but it's certainly the more education you have, the more educated you are. <laughs> I think it's an issue of not having the access to the information. And they also do it based on um, years. So starting in 1977, there was a huge disparity between right. what people believed and, you know, 55% said it was due to a person's upbringing, while 15% said it was due to someone being born that well, way. Even psychology and science didn't really have their finger on the pulse yet. They hadn't figured it out yet. Right. And it didn't flip until 2001. Wow. So that's that's when the recent flip took and people started believing it was a result of someone just being born that way. That's a, that's not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's pretty shocking. All right, so a little bit of follow-up. Last episode, we talked about Senator, uh, the the ever genius and sensitive and understanding of our precious Constitution, Stephen Vick from northern Idaho, near where the white supremacist compound used to be. And he threw a little tizzy about having a Hindu, having someone start the Senate in Idaho with a prayer that wasn't his particular flavor of mythology, and there has been since some uproar. Take a listen to this. National leader of the Hindu faith gave a traditional prayer before the start of the Senate business. It was also the first time that a leader had state officials boycott his prayers. Jake Melder has more from inside the state house. A prayer recited for thousands of years, heard for the first time in the Senate chambers. We meditate on the transcendental glory of the deity supreme. But three lawmakers stayed outside, refusing to be present for the prayer. Senator Den Hartog from Meridian and Senators Vic and Nuxall from North Idaho. The Hindu faith prays to false gods. They have a false god and I don't believe as a state that we should be doing that. Lead us from the unreal to the real. Senators Vic and Nuxall said they weren't opposed to Hindus practicing their faith, but that it shouldn't be allowed for state business, unlike the Christian prayers that routinely kick off legislative business. Are you concerned that that may be giving preferential treatment to Christianity uh, from, you know, as far as like the separation of church and state, that the state is giving preferential treatment to Christianity over other religions? No, no, because we have a nation founded upon freedom of religion, which means the freedom to practice religion, which means that we have the freedom to not have a state religion. Act selflessly without any thought of personal profit. Rajan Zed, the man who gave the prayer, said the protest was a first for him, but shrugged it off. We all think differently, so that may be the difference of opinion. After the fact, Senator Nuxall has one final message. I hope this doesn't set a precedent for any other non-Christian faith to be in the Senate chambers to lead us in prayer. Peace, peace be unto all. Om. Jake Melder, Today 6, on your side. I love, goddamn, I love that the Hindu is totally cool. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, fuck, people, they believe, they believe different things. What do you... What are you going to do? Some people just, yeah, they're not so agreeable. Right. And then they end the news package with, and peace be to all or whatever, you know, their, right. their, their <laughs> shit is. I, it's, it's just awesome to me 
that even this Idaho, this Boise, I think this is Channel 6 in Boise, 6 on your side, Brittany. I, I, I think it's great that even they are putting this in the light that it should be placed, which is she's a nutter and she's being a radical. So joining us on the phone is none other than the president of the Idaho Atheists, who knew there was such a thing, Gary Mitchell. Gary, thanks for joining us, and how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on. Let, let me ask you, because you and I both share not only the same state, but relative neighborhood regionally in Idaho, um, what in the fuck is going on over there? Yeah, this this is a very interesting year for Idaho. Um, a lot of uh, different you know parts of legislature, people have been running unopposed. And it's already like a kind of an instant voting uh, Republican state. Uh, so if somebody's unopposed, you never really know what you're going to get. And sometimes they can be pretty, you know, religiously zealous. It, it seems very odd to me that there is this tendency. I mean, you've got many. Well, first of all, I, I am I am, as the listeners know, more conservative than I am liberal. Still an atheist, but that really doesn't have any bearing on my political stances on things it's just that it's very very rare it's, i'm sure gary would probably agree that <laughs> he is not probably it not a conservative yeah. so so the thing that, that i find stark is the fact that there are so many articulate women who represent the democratic party but there are very few who represent the the republican or even conservatism and when when things like this are said no no because we have a nation founded upon freedom of religion which means the freedom to practice a religion which means that we have the freedom to not have a state religion what in the fuck does that even mean i mean she sounds like sarah palin with with her word salad dropping little nuggets of freedom and liberty and just these buzzwords that get people, you know, a political boner, but they don't really mean anything. And I, I mean, I didn't prep you for this question, but what do you think's going on with the, the, the lack of, of articulation <laughs> or ability to articulate on, on the right with the women there? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I haven't seen enough. Uh, I don't think, you know, there's any uh, gender specificity. Um, I haven't seen any reason for, you know, the conservative women to not be completely intelligent and, and well-serving. Um, what we've been getting um, is kind of a, uh, a mis mishmash of different people in general. And I think there are many men on the Republican side that seem to be a little, um, well, more theocratically leaning and they're not quite grounded in the history, the actual history of, of the, the state and the United States things. Right, and I kind I of feel them Sunday school Christians. Right, I kind of feel like what what Jesse was saying. It's just the they're the loudest politicians. So there might be you know women uh, in the conservative party that are you know very intelligent and well spoken, but it's just they aren't the loudest people in the room. So the people that are rising to the top are these turds that you know. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. That they're it's... they're giving a bad 
face, I guess, it's, to the party. The crazy is rising to the top, and that's what gets noticed. Right, because I'm sure it's just not, you know, all women that are conservatives are goofballs, but it's just these people that are so outspoken that are, you know, making everyone look bad. And it happens with Democrats, too. There are certainly Democrats that are you know, less than intelligent and, and they're very loud. And, and then everyone's like, hey, look at those stupid Democrats. Right here, we've got Sheila Jackson Lee. <laughs> it's it's endemic, I guess, at both parties. But I guess the, it's so nutty on the right that it it just drives me fucking crazy. And also, I get a little angry because it is the party with which I used to identify, which I don't, I'm not a Republican and I haven't been for many, many years. Well, and what I like about this story is that there's many different religious leaders that are calling for an apology. You have an, a Roman Catholic official, a Jewish rabbi, a United Church of Christ pastor, a Buddhist leader, an Episcopal bishop. You have all these different flavors, right? Coming together saying, listen, lady, what you just said is unacceptable. You need to apologize. There should be room for all the flavors and I, I like that. Well, what's what seems to be the reaction on the ground, Gary? They're right there at Ground Zero. And I mean, you live in Boise, so and Boise is a modicum um, less conservative than the rest of the state, but still pretty conservative. Yeah, I I, I, I call Boise a purple jewel because we're we're slightly blue, but a lot of purple or red bleeds in, making us purple. But, um. It's it's not really unexpected to us. This year has been rather embarrassing for national headlines, I think. Um, everything is getting uh, not just conservative. I mean, uh, there's completely very valid, valid reasons for conservatism, but it's just regressive in general, uh, regressive towards women's rights, gay rights, uh, religious rights. Um, and I think everyone's just kind of knuckling down and trying to find out the best way to fight it. Are there any plans by you and your organization to um, s say a secular invocation to to start a Senate session? Um, I I am not for sure. If the um, I'm kind of against the idea in general. Um, I, I dislike uh, the entire notion, but uh, I think the humanists should probably have something in the works. Um, they are, are much more likely, as well as the uh, Unitarians, that are probably more likely as well. Uh, we do have uh, something fun. We have uh, the National Day of Reason. Uh, so we have access to the capital steps on the National Day of Prayer, which coincides. <laughs> and so we will be speaking on the capital steps that day for maybe a little bit of reason to lighten things up. Yeah, that's good. So obviously there's the, the political re Idaho is a giant state geographically, uh, much, much larger than 75% uh, of the states in the Union. And just, I mean, Cottonwood, Idaho, where this nutter butter lady is from, is probably five hours or six hours from where you're sitting right now um, driving. So what do you think needs to take place within the state politically? And I know this isn't maybe your wheelhouse since you're you you, you don't claim to profess uh, political unless maybe your your daytime job is politics. But just as a layman, what do you think needs to be done? to make a shift where these people aren't running unopposed because there's clearly intelligent people up there in Idaho County or wherever she's from. There's clearly intelligent people who, who have a brain to run against her. We, we do have uh, tons of very intelligent people. Um, I, I do think that we've, hopefully we've reached that peak of malaise where people are 
uh, exhausted, and now they're kind of angry and they feel the need to do something about it. I hope that this is that year. It's our second year kind of being run through uh, national politics uh, or national media for our politics in a pretty unfavorable light. Uh, Idahoans, for the most part, just kind of like to keep themselves, so being brought into the national spotlight is not really good for anyone on both sides of the political aisle. So I kind of hope that a little bit of activism and maybe some, I guess, a, a little one more little spout of embarrassment might push people to become active and civic-minded again. I sure hope so. I mean, I I will forever identify myself as an Idahoan. I'm a sixth-generation Idahoan, which goes back before it was an actual state, and it's it is embarrassing when they when they and it's this was obviously largely a political move by Otter to have those other weirdos on the stage during that debate, but um, it's not good for the state. It it there because there are there is a wellspring of talent and intellect within that state that is just setting aside and not, you know, th there's that quote that is misattributed to Edmund Burke that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Well, the good men and women within the state of Idaho need to stand up to combat that which is, it's very damaging, not only for its reputation, but just for the, the good working order of the goddamn government in the state. Yeah, I'd say it's bad economically, or um, I don't know if we've seen the numbers yet that show that, you know, how bad it, it is or could be, um, but at this rate, we're not going to get, um, you know, companies moving in that have, you know, much more, um, like if, if a gay couple is married in another state, they're not going to move here. They've got very few rights. Right. Um, and things like that, that, I mean, it makes a very big economical impact on a state. One is already kind of one of the poorest states in the nation. Um, and like uh, President Obama visited uh, Boise uh, last month, the month before last, and he said that Boise is one of the top tech cities in America. And it cannot be, I don't think, unless we fix some of the, the issues that we've been having. Right. I mean, you want that intelligent, educated, typically progressive type of uh, citizen to move in and people are going to be shying away in droves and coming to, you know, the, the Silicon Valleys of the world rather than um, Boise, which really is a beautiful place and a, a great place to, to raise a family and, and live. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I think Texas has uh, moved away from very, very uh, regressive politics and they're becoming more progressive. Uh, as the, the tech industry has started to boom in other industries as well. And I'm kind of hoping that the Idaho will follow suit. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be an easy road for Idaho, but I think it will happen just a matter of when. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, Gary, when is this National Day of Reason that happens to butt right up against the National Day of Prayer? Uh, it will be on May 7th at noon on the, the State House uh, steps. Have a few speakers and like some you know, just general engagement. I hope uh, the plans are still forthcoming. But that is great. So, do you guys have a website or a Facebook page or? Yeah, we've got um, our the we've got a, a group, a wonderful group. Uh, it's closed uh, for safety of our members, but uh, Idaho Atheist, uh, I think, is our uh, Facebook uh, slash Idaho Atheist, and we also have a public page a page for Facebook that. Is very very similar, and I, I forget off the top of my head which it is. But 
I'm sure an easy web search could figure it out. So, well, thanks for joining yeah, us, yeah. and uh, you might end up being our 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 man on the ground um, because I just have a feeling that these type of incidents and events are probably going to be happening a lot more before they before it gets better. You know. It's going to be an interesting year. I'd be happy to help, and I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> All right. Have a good day, man. You too. Thank you. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad uh, I'm glad he joined us. Um, I, I kind of feel... <laughs> I feel a little guilty, like I, uh, like I button-hooked him a little bit with that uh, extemporaneous comment about, you know, women, and um, thanks, for, thanks for saving me. Yeah, well, you tend to do that to yourself. Well, That's why I I'm here. Listen, well, I don't mean that conservative women are stupid and liberal women are smart. I, I'm not, it's not an attack on women. It's why does it seem like there's so many women in front of the Republican party, like Michelle Bachman and, and, and Michelle uh, or uh, Sarah Palin and that wackadoo from Delaware who said she was a witch. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the women that I think of when I think of the Republican party or the women in the party. Right. And when I think of the women in the Democratic Party, it's, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton. Gabby Giffords, maybe. This is why we need someone, and people are going to cringe and hate me for this, but we need someone who is very educated and smart, like Condoleezza Rice, to come back into politics to have another flavor and another voice for for the women in in a conservative capacity. And why are people going to hate you for saying that? Well, because she was a Bush person. She worked for the administration. Right. Can I say something about that really quick? Yeah, please. So I saw someone today share a picture of George W. Bush and Laura Bush sitting with um, Barack and Michelle Obama at mm-hmm. the Selma speech or parade or I don't know what the event, the Selma yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person shared this photo and said something like, color me surprised. Like that the Bushes would be at this event, essentially. Really? Yeah. And then... Um, someone commented on it and said, oh, this just reminds me of how disgusted I feel when I see George W. Bush's smirk because he was smiling in the photo. That's very strange to me. Well, they're just politically unaware of what uh, a weirdo Bush was relative to doing things that were uh, antithetical to Republican policy. Right. And it also it just reminded me of kind of that that echo chamber that attitude that people have where, well, he's a Republican, that means he's evil, that means he's hateful, and you automatically think that right. just because he's a Republican that he wouldn't be able to sit next to Barack Obama, be at an event with him, be at an event supporting civil rights. I mean, I don't know specifically what this person was referring to, right. but they were obviously shocked that the Bushes would be there. It's, and I just think that's unreasonable. It's a common misconception. George W. Bush orchestrated the delivering of $16 billion for AIDS for Africa aid. $16 billion. Right. That is an an enormous sum of money. That is more money than we give to Israel every year um, by fourfold, fivefold, over fivefold how much we give to Israel every year. So um, George W. Bush, with all his faults, and they are many, many, he was a terrible second-term president. Many things he did, the Patriot Act, um, the the advancement of, of Medicare. There are a lot of things he did that I don't agree with, a lot, mainly civil liberties issues. But he wasn't the devil. 
He just wasn't. Right. And just because you don't agree with someone doesn't mean you need to think they're a bad person. And even when you see them smiling, you are disgusted. Like, I just think it's such a weird attitude that people have toward the opposing party. Listen, we say this all the time on the show. The far, far left doesn't have the right answer. And the far, far right is nutty and wacky. They don't have it. Typically, it's somewhere in the middle that common ground should be found because that's the sweet spot. Somewhere in the middle is the right way to do things. And hating a guy when you see him fucking smile, (laughs) that's not in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. Did he like personally like do something to you? I don't. (laughs) I don't know. It's just weird. All right. Let's wrap up our follow up with an email from Laura in Oregon. So this email is from Laura in Oregon, and it's about the the Hindu monks on the flight oh, that, yeah. that we've been talking about. We had a lot of feedback from this. It's good. Yes. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I was listening to the last... Uh, hey, did you hear that? Nikki, did you hear that? <laughs> did, you, did you hear how that email was started? Go, go ahead, Brittany, one more time. Hey, Brittany and Jesse. <laughs> God damn it. Now, how did she start the email? Hey, Jesse and Brittany. Nice. Okay. Thanks, Laura. I was listening to the last couple of episodes and would like to join the discussion about the monks flying commercial airlines. Well, come on in, Laura. Yeah. The waters are warm. I often find myself confused by the many hypocrisies that exist in organized religion. And upon hearing you read the list of requests from the monks, I realized I didn't hear you discuss what I found to be the most hypocritical request. Hang on. You're not going to read this whole email, right? No. Okay. I just... As a matter of time, it was a beautifully written, wonderfully detailed email. It's just we are running, we're running behind right now. And Okay, well, don't stress me out because then I just won't be able to read correctly. <laughs> All right. She's going to use that as an excuse. So this is, what, this is what Laura found to be the most hypocritical request. A monk cannot speak directly with a female flight attendant unless there is an emergency. Okay. Like he has to poop or something. <laughs> this to me was the most interesting part of their request. If o- if one truly believes oh, there it is. If Stressed one out. if one truly believes <laughs> that speaking to a female violates a sacred vow of celibacy and that this particular vow is not important enough to ask that all people who do not share this religious belief system change their behavior so that this vow is not compromised, why would one then believe the threat of danger or death is a valid time to violate this apparent sacred vow? It's such a good point. It is a very good point. Well, it's also Listen, I don't understand the how talking to a woman is going to violate that sacred vow of celibacy. It's not like your voice penetrates her snooch. You know what I mean? You're not penetrating the woman in a sexual way. Is snooch bad? Uh, no, I think that snooch is a great word. <laughs> I just, vagina is so clinical and sanitary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like snooch. Yes. And JJ's to Oprah. You know what I mean? Am I bothering you because I keep interrupting right before you go to talk? Yes. Okay. So, so she, go ahead. So she, Proceed. <laughs> so she goes on to say um, some other things, but but her main point of the email was, was that awesome, awesome point that we just, we heard. Yes. So, so she goes on to say, anyway, I love the show. I especially love that I don't agree with you guys on everything, but that you challenge me to look objectively at my own views on many of the hot topics of our times. Keep moving that conversation forward. That is awesome. And you know what? It makes, that makes me feel so good when someone says that, because I don't expect people to, to agree with me, 
maybe ever. Well, how how can you ever agree with someone 100% all the time right. on everything? But just as much as I really do look at my views and reanalyze everything all the time, there's been many times on the show where you turn me around and in the midst of conversation. I'm like, yeah, God, that's a good point. I see what you're saying. We should all be like me, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No, we, sh- we should all be analyzing and reevaluating our views all the time when new information comes into play. Right. And well, this is why we like hearing from listeners as well, because we hadn't considered this point, And this point is an awesome point. Yeah, for sure. And so we, of course, we know that there's people that are going to hear what we're saying and we're just totally missing an important piece of the puzzle. And if you hear us missing an important piece of the puzzle, please tell us. Yes. And we, we might not always be able to read your whole email if it's super long, but we will we will read your, your main well, point. It doesn't have to be super long for us not to be able to get to the whole thing. I mean, by the time we get done talking about how we weren't able to get to her email, we could have read the email, but, you know. <laughs> so right here in our backyard, Orange County, California, the University of California, Irvine, the students voted... Because, you know, college students, they seem to have their, their shit together relative to intellectual analysis of certain issues. And this took place. Student government leaders at UC Irvine have banned flying the American flag in one campus building. The 6-4 to four vote only involves the main lobby of UCI's Associated Students Office. An American flag was placed on the wall three weeks ago, but someone secretly took it down a few days ago. Student leaders say they wanted a more inclusive space free of national or state flags. The group president opposed the ban but applauded students for taking a stand. Of course, I disagree with the legislation, and I personally don't don't feel comfortable with it at all, which is why I would like to veto it. But I'm proud of my university for the aspect of the diversity that it brings and the inclusion that we'd like to promote. Well, the meeting tomorrow could reverse that ban. Flags are still flying at all other campus locations. So the ban has been reversed. But before we talk about that, I want to talk a little bit more about this issue because um, there's there's a lot more detail surrounding it. So they voted to remove it because they wanted a more inclusive space. Now, a portion of the resolution reads, flags construct paradigms of conformity and sets homogenized standards for others to obtain, which in this country typically are idolized as freedom, equality, and democracy. All terrible, terrible things to strive toward. Freedom, democracy, and what was the other one? Equality. And equality. Oh, my God. How dare we have a symbol or a flag that symbolizes freedom, equality, and democracy? God damn us to hell, Brittany. The resolution goes on to state that since, quote, the American flag has been flown in instances of colonialism and imperialism, its display does not express only selective aspects of its symbolism, but the entire spectrum of its interpretation. So they not only removed the American flag, but all flags. So all flags were taken out. Well, that's that's even more idiocy. It's just, it's so it's just compounding the problem because you're so sensitive to the fact that one, you're going to an American university, a public university within the confines of the United States of America, which I did a little research. And this is from the 2012-2013 budget. The sources of their funds, 
They have a $24.1 billion operating budget at the University of California, Irvine, 16% of which comes from government contracts and grants. 16%. Just as a, as a, as a notion of, of comparison, 13% of their budget comes from tuition and fees. So these very students whose tuitions and fees make up 13% of the overall budget, they're still off. They're still not making up as much money as what the federal government gives them in contracts and grants. Right. And so they have lifted the ban on the American flag. Not the students. Members of the executive cabinet of the Associated Students of UC Irvine met Saturday in an emergency session to reverse <laughs> the flag ban. Right. Quote, our campus is patriotic and proud. Student government president Reza Zamordian said, we did something right for our campus. Our campus stands with the flag. So that's that's good. That's that person responding to the lifting of the ban. Well, here's the thing. Listen, there's a lot of things to whine and bitch about and complain and make jokes about about University of California, Irvine. But it is a stalwart member of the scientific community. There are heavyweights with giant brain pans who go to this school, who work at this school, who operate under the, the guise of UC Irvine. And uh, if this had stood, I would have been surprised because it's not this isn't fucking Berkeley where even the faculty are demonstrators and activists. This is this is a good school. This is a, a, a solid school. I would have been very surprised had this stood. And it's good that the system worked itself out and they took care of the problem. So kudos to you, University of California, Irvine. Which, by the way, that was the the choir performance that we went to was University of Irv University of California, Irvine choirs. So, so back to the gays. Speaking of homosexuals, Brittany, Brittany. Yeah, I hear you. I'm still here, unfortunately. <laughs> you still have a headache? Yeah. Throbbing migraine? Yes. Okay, well, the gays are ruining St. Patrick's Day for a group of Catholic elementary students. Because the students, Brittany, are not able to march in the Boston St. Patty's Day parade because there will be gay veterans there, and apparently the school... Is angry. The Immaculate Heart of Mary School, yep, which traditionally, <laughs> yep, which traditionally sends its marching band to the South Boston route, said on Friday it would withdraw following a decision by the Allied War Veterans Council, the parade's organizers, to admit a group of gay and lesbian veterans called Out Vets to participate. Quote, we can't associate with that, said Brother Thompson Dalton, principal of Immaculate Heart of Mary School. It would appear we were condoning it. Right. Because apparently you agree and are arm in arm with every other member of the groups that march and participate within the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Boston. What we should do is put a message out to Allison and Brett number two faithful listeners of the show and ask them about this because they are also Catholic, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And and live in Boston. And yeah, and from Boston. That was the that was actually the main point, but apparently I'm drinking bourbon and can't remember anything. I, I don't mean. think you said it. I mean we could go back and hear it, but I don't think you said All right, it. Let's do that. No 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 no. <laughs> 
But I'd like to know what's going on. I mean, because St. Patty's Day in Boston is obviously a big deal. No. Because there's a lot of Irishmen and Irish lasses. <laughs> Here's what's weird to me about this is, well, there's a couple of things, obviously. So um, I'm assuming that these people are also conservative, so they should be supportive of veterans. You mean the, the Catholics. Right? right. So they should be supportive of the veterans and apparently... No, not if they're gay. And then also, these are grammar school kids. And this isn't going to be like a pride parade. Yeah, it's um, not going to be naked dudes. Right. So the kids aren't going to know. They they aren't going to know what's going on. They're grammar school aged children. They're, they don't care. Well, And also, who cares if they know people are, are gay? The, hey, you know what? People are also amputees. People are also born with spina bifida. People are different. We People are black. People are white. It's it's a topsy-turvy world that we live in. Not everybody's Catholic. Not everybody's from Boston. And not everybody goes to the Immaculate Heart of Mary School. <laughs> she had an Immaculate Heart, Brittany. Mm -hmm. A wonderful heart. Mm -hmm. That's why she got pregnant at 14 years old. From God, Brittany. Mm -hmm. It was God. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Joseph, mm -hmm. her old man husband. Mm-hmm. It was God, mm -hmm. or at the very least, the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. otherwise known as the Holy Ghost. Taking care of biz. Taking care of biz. Well, we're not going to end it there. You may have seen this last week or a couple weeks ago, a news story about, not a news story, but a story out there about the school lunches, since we're on the subject of elementary school kids, school lunches around the globe and how deficient the United States is in feeding its elementary school children. Well, it's not really a story so much as it is a meme that's been going around. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, that's and why so, I adjusted. You know, we are very contemptuous of memes on this podcast. And I... I'm contemptuous of viral memes that people take as news stories. Right. So, you know, these memes like about the GMOs and the rats bellies exploding and right, like, right. you know, things that don't have references with them. You should just be very suspicious of them and don't like them or share them because liking or sharing them spreads them and that spreads misinformation. Right. And yeah. that's something that that I don't like. So anyway, this lunches around the world meme has been going around and it features pictures of school lunches that look ridiculously delicious. Yeah. So they have ones from the USA, Finland, Italy, France, and Greece. And so on the USA one, it's, you know, like limp looking chicken nuggets with some kind of dipping sauce, a giant chocolate chip cookie, some you know, mashed potatoes that look like vomit. Su suffice it to say, it's terrible. Right, it looks yeah. terrible. And then these other ones are delicious. Yeah. Fresh okay. fruit, a big slice of brie on the France tray. Yeah. But here, here's the thing. I don't want to describe every single tray. Let, let's just say that think of the most delicious, fresh, beautiful thing you'd find at a restaurant, and that is featured on these trays. Right. Now, everyone should be suspicious of the meme in the first place because all of these meals are on the same exact tray. Well, Brittany, listen, all European nations, they go to the same store for the trays. Why would that be suspicious? Why would someone critically think that that would be something to, to be think to, uh, to be odd? Even the USA tray is the same. I'm serious. Oh. All the trays are the same. So <laughs> how did that happen? 
right? right. It, all the pictures are also uniform. They all look the exact same. They're on the same table. Like, are all schools everywhere completely uniform in everything they do? Well, it's also stupid for the fact that there are, like, beautiful meals, like, from Greece... Which is just, and it's also all of the all of the meals feature very culturally relevant food, like the brie cheese on the France tray and the the typical Greece, what you think of Greece on the Greece tray. Right. So that's something. This is from a Mother Jones article. I know. Well, no, no, no. Here's the deal. This this would illustrate what we say all the time. You need to vet the information you read. It's not just the site from which you pull the information. It's whether the information makes sense and if you can verify it. So I thought that this person who authored this article, Tom Philpot, um, he talked about the, the grease train particularly. He says, most egregiously, the grease photo portrays a robust lunch featuring chicken over whole grains with yogurt, pomegranate seeds, a salad, and fresh citrus. Then he goes on to talk about how debt-plagued Greece doesn't have the resources to provide much of anything to eat for its school kids. Right. Here's the thing. Greece is getting ready to file bankruptcy. On They're going to default on all of their debt. They're more than likely going to be kicked out of the European Union for this. They're not, they're not in any position to be providing sumptuous, delicious meals for elementary school students. Do you know how expensive pomegranate seeds are? You can get like a six ounce bag of pomegranate seeds and it costs like a hundred grand. Well, the- <laughs> wow. The- we need to start investing in pomegranate ranches. <laughs> yeah, we do. I mean, the pomegranate is indigenous to that area, but it also is to here. Our neighbor has a pomegranate tree. So he, the thing is, is it, it just doesn't make sense. Vetting the information, it took five seconds of critical thinking to know that these goddamn meals, it's bullshit. Not just the fact that when this came out two weeks ago or a week ago, Brittany, you pointed out, why are all the lunches on the same tray? Right. So this was just a company called Sweet Green, and it's a chain of health food eateries located mainly on the East Coast, and they produce the photos. But but you don't see that anywhere on that meme, right? It doesn't right. say this is made by some health food company that's trying to make a point. It's, oh, look at how much the USA sucks. Right. I mean, that's really the point of it. Right. What's the name of the company? Sweet Green. All one word. Hmm. Sweet Green. It's a chain of health food eateries, apparently. So were they complicit in the, in the misinformation or were, was their information just taken and used erroneously? Sweetgreen says it based its photos on, quote, some typical school meals around the world, but it doesn't tell us how it obtained the information underlying the photos. Were the meals modeled on public school menus, private school menus? Are the meals depicted typical of what's served in a given country? Or did Sweetgreen cherry pick the most appealing items? And on what basis were the elements chosen for the America's school meal? So Hmm. because even, you know, for America's school meal, I mean, there's plenty of different things. I remember when I was in school, we had like... Remember all the way back to when you were in school, Brittany? That is, you have a good memory. No wonder you're doing so well in graduate school. Anyway, we often had, <laughs> we often had like salad bar was an option. We had a salad bar yeah. and, and a, a baked potato bar. And, you know, there were very healthy options. Yeah. It wasn't just these disgusting chicken nuggets here. With beaks in them and hairs. Mm. Didn't you find a hair that like worked into your chicken nugget one time? Yeah. Are you getting sick? <laughs> yeah, I'm having to. I'm struggling a little bit here. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up with this, everybody. 
Brittany found a very funny little list that we want to share with you, which is the 10 tricks to appear smart in business meetings. Right. So we're going to help you out. We're going to leave you with some good information here about how to look smart. <laughs> okay. So number one, draw a Venn diagram. A Venn diagram. That's the the two circles that meet in the middle. And then the middle part that that's kind of like a, like a, what's the shape? It's a circle in the middle. It's oh. two. It's two circles. You draw two circles and they overlap. And in the middle yeah, is the what both circles part. have in common. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even before you've put that marker down, your colleagues will begin fighting about what exactly the labels should be and how big the circle should be, etc. At this point, you can slink back to your chair and go back to playing Candy Crush. <laughs> it says. Candy Crush. Okay, so draw Venn diagram the first thing of how to p- appear smart in meetings. This is from the the CooperReview.com, by the way. We'll put it on the website and on the Twitter. The Twitter. <laughs> the Twitter. It's like the Facebook. The the podcast. So Or the Donald Duck, like I said the other day. <laughs> no, that was when we were talking about Howard the Duck. Listen, we gotta get to this. We gotta wrap this up. Go ahead. Number two. Translate percentages into fractions. If someone <laughs> If someone says about 25% of all users click on this button, quickly chime in with, so about one in four, and make note of it. (laughs) Everyone will nod their head in agreement, secretly impressed and envious of your quick math skills. It would be better if they said 20% and you said one in five, because then, you know, that would baffle some people. Well, whatever. Okay, number three, encourage everyone to take a step back. Oh, yeah. These are great. There comes a point in most meetings where everyone is chiming in except you. This is a great point to go, guys, 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 can we take a step back here? Follow it up with a quick, what problem are we really trying to solve? (laughs) And boom, you've got yourself looking really smart. Wow. Okay. This is seminal advice. Everyone should really be writing these down. Yeah. Number four, nod continuously while pretending Mm. to take notes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always bring a notepad do, with you. Do you see what I'm doing? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Your mm-hmm. rejection of technology will be revered. Mm. Take notes by simply writing down one word from every sentence that you hear. <laughs> Nod continuously <laughs> while doing so. Okay, number five. Repeat the last thing the engineer said, but very, very slowly. Slowly. After the engineer utters his divine words, chime in with, let me just repeat that and repeat exactly what he just said, but very, very slowly. Now his brilliance has been transferred to you. Wow. Very smart. Number six. Ask, will this scale, no matter what it is? Oh, yeah. The scale comment. This is your favorite on Shark Tank. Right. No one even really knows what that means, but it's a good catch-all question that generally applies and drives engineers nuts. Awesome. Okay. Number seven, pace around the room. Whenever someone gets up from the table and walks around, don't you immediately respect them? I know I do. (laughs) All right. Number eight. Ask the presenter to go back a slide. (laughs) (laughs) So be that guy that makes the meeting last way longer. What a dick. Right. They say it doesn't matter where in the presentation you shout this out. It'll immediately make you look like you're paying closer attention than everyone else. Don't. Don't have anything to point out. Just say something like, Uh, I'm not sure what these numbers mean. That is so good. Okay, number nine. Step out for a very important phone call. When you step out of a meeting for an important phone call, everyone will realize how busy and important you are. They'll say, wow, this meeting is important. So if he has something even more important than this, well, we better not bother him. All right. I got to have have a comment on number nine before we move on. 
I worked for a company and my very first business meeting, the very first meeting we had was my first week in the company. It was in Vegas. And there was a guy who kept leaving the meetings with like vice presidents and like major people, figures in the company. And he would leave and he had this giant Bluetooth headset on all the time. Like the kind, like when they first came out, a giant Bluetooth headset. And I mean, it was like a microwave oven attached to his ear. And he would step out all the time. And I thought, oh, I wonder, who, he must be somebody big in the company. So it works. Yeah, no, he was just some asshole like me. He actually <laughs> held the same position as me and uh, not a fan. So, so it works then. Yeah, I definitely thought he was important. Okay. Number 10, make fun of yourself. People love self-deprecating humor. Say things like, maybe we can just use the lawyers for my divorce. Or, God, I wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> they, they will laugh, value your honesty, consider contacting wow. HR, but most importantly, think you're the smartest looking person in the room. <laughs> well, this has been some of the best advice that I think we've ever um, administered on the show. We'll leave you with that because how can you not leave on such a high note, Brittany? This is good stuff. Yes. <laughs> All right, we will leave you there. We love you. We appreciate you. Listen, if you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week to us ramble on, or at least me ramble on, Brittany actually provides value. I, on the other hand, am kind of adult. Maybe I should loan you my lawyer for my last divorce. Or what was the other thing? God, I wish I was dead. God, I wish I was dead. <laughs> If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, we do have an Amazon link on dollamore.com. You can buy a book or other than that, we also have patreon.com slash I doubt it with dollamore. And the details are right there on patreon.com. We love you for listening. Thank you very much for helping us move the conversation forward every day. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I just wanted to deeply and sincerely apologize for not boosting your fragile little ego. <laughs> <laughs>